Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I'm your host, Rudy St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter where you can tell me how little I know about basketball, at NBA underscore Rudy, and also Instagram, at HustlePointsPod, where you can be sure to enjoy my empty page for at least a little bit, I would say roughly 24 to 48 hours after release of this episode you're listening to right now. Uh, There will be an empty page, and after that, we will have podcast highlights posted on the Instagram, so be sure to follow that. Again, it's at HustlePointsPod, because that is what you're listening to right now. Uh, But there are no highlights of that podcast yet, or of this podcast, or of any Hustle Points podcast, because this is the first one. And so if you're here on this journey with me for episode one, know that I love and appreciate you very much. But before we get into NBA talk, let's uh, let you get to know a little bit about me first. My basketball love affair began uh, roughly in 2004, when I just happened to be watching the NBA Finals where that underdog Piston team got themselves a championship without a real superstar, the only team to ever really do it that way in history. They had the two Wallaces, Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, the, the whole gang was there. That was my first ever exposure to basketball, and then I was really interested in basketball. My, my basketball love affair really got started when Chauncey Billups, my favorite player, was traded to the Denver Nuggets for Allen Iverson back in 2008-2009, and that team almost made the finals, and I believe they should have made the finals, but that Nuggets team just couldn't do it. Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith, Nene in his prime, and again, Chauncey, Mr. Big Shot Billups leading the way. Between that and when he was traded with Carmelo to the Knicks, I think that was really his peak of his career, statistically speaking, if I do recall correctly. And ever since then, I have been avidly keeping up with the league. I really do love it very much. I am a total basketball nerd, and now I'm just trying to make a career out of it. So again, if you're with me on this journey, thank you very much. And let's just get right into basketball. Derrick Rose, the best story of the season so far, by far and away. I mean, he's saying it's only the beginning. I would love to see Derrick Rose start for Tom Thibodeau, at least for the rest of the season, because Tibbs apparently just isn't going to get fired this year. I think he should get fired this year. I don't think they should wait until the offseason. I think that organization needs some new blood in there, needs a new breath of fresh air, and I think trading Jimmy Butler sooner rather than later would give them some of that, but until Tibbs is out of there, I I think that they're doomed to mediocrity. They were simultaneously both really good and really bad last year. They did a really good job of demonstrating just how good Jimmy Butler is. Uh, They were a losing team without him last season, and they were a top three seed, I do believe, when he went down in the middle of last season with injury. And they don't look good without Jimmy on the floor. And I think it's because everybody on that team doesn't buy into that system except for the Timberwolves. Your Taj Gibson, your Jimmy Butler, 
your Derrick Rose. These are the only players on that team buying into that antiquated Thibodeau system, which just doesn't work clearly in the modern NBA. I mean, people wondered when Thibodeau came in and that young team didn't just suddenly turn into a very good defensive team. Instead, they stayed mediocre, stayed in that bottom echelon of the league defensively. And it's it's no question in my mind that it's Tibbs. So if Minnesota wants to start winning games, which I know they want to do, at least that's what Thibodeau and Glenn Taylor want to do because they haven't accepted this Rockets trade yet. If I were the Timberwolves, I would take that four first-round picks and those two filler old sons, Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris, for Jimmy Butler in a heartbeat. I mean, four first-round picks is a lot. I don't care about the protections on them. They are an incredible value for a player whose value is only going down every day. I mean, he's sitting right now just saying that he's generally sore and that he doesn't want to get hurt. This is the toughest guy in the league. I feel like he would show up to 82 with a sprained ankle and say it's no big deal. I feel like if anyone is willing to risk their body in the same way that, say, an Isaiah Thomas did a couple years ago, then it would be Jimmy Butler. That's what this guy's reputation would lead you to believe before all of these shenanigans that came out, which are, again, in my opinion, Tibbs' fault. It's not Jimmy's fault. It is Tom Thibodeau's fault. He said that he came to him four days after the season ended and told Tibbs he wanted a trade, and they didn't do anything about it all offseason. And so he made it public in the middle of the preseason. Good on him. The, the organization didn't do what was right for him or themselves. I mean, his contract ends after this season. He's not going to resign there. He told you guys that. Minnesota, he told you. And you just ignored it. Glenn Taylor may not have brought this upon himself, but Tom Thibodeau brought this upon Glenn Taylor. And he should probably get the axe because of it. I mean, he's costing the organization very valuable assets, like four first-round picks. People compared it to the Nets trade that was made for the sake of selling seats in the new arena and new ownership group that didn't have any basketball background and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that bad of a trade. Daryl Morey is way smarter than that, and I think that he knows that this current team, A, needs to replace Trevor Ariza's presence bad on defense. The Rockets are bad on defense. Not even kind of good. They're bad. This team doesn't look like they're trying. This team looks like the Cavaliers looked like last year, where they come out and say nothing matters until at least January, but probably more like mm, after the All-Star break. Even then, the Cavs last year didn't really try on defense at any point, except for the finals, I guess. I mean, they tried. It didn't matter. But they tried. These Rockets just need Jimmy Butler so bad that I think four first-round picks and a couple of scrubs, no offense to Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris, but scrubs, call them role players in the future, kind of euphemize a little bit, scrubs, Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris are worth Jimmy Butler with or without first-round picks. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's all about the picks. Point is, if I'm Minnesota... There's no chance I'm not taking that trade. But Tibbs is getting in the way. He deserves the axe. I need to get off this topic because I could go on forever 
just being angry. <laughs> Not sincerely angry, but, you know, angry for the organization, the, the Minnesota fans who deserve better than to sit around waiting on a deal that's never going to happen. I mean, if you get Eric Gordon off of the Rockets for Jimmy Butler and, say, three first-round picks maybe, is that really worth it? Is Eric Gordon really that good for your team? Or would you rather have another chance to take a flyer on a young guy? You know, on a 19-year-old somebody who could grow into, you know, the next Giannis, the next Donovan Mitchell. It doesn't have to be a top-five pick to be a valuable pick. Devin Booker was drafted at the end of the lottery, and he's putting up crazy numbers, well over 25 a game like everyone else <laughs> this season. This season's been insane. I mean, four players have dropped 50 points already, and plus Jokic had that one game where he was basically perfect. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but Derrick Rose is by far the most meaningful 50-point game of the season. He made that storyline feel complete almost. Like, if he hung it up at the end of the season, I don't think anyone would feel bad for him or feel like we're missing out on anything terribly significant because the unfortunate reality is as much as I would like Derrick Rose to start he is a role player now he's a perfect six-man type role where you're just giving the ball and say go do whatever you want it's a really a, a good spot for him in Minnesota but that's only if Tibbs is there and frankly Tibbs shouldn't be there so neither should Derrick and if no other team is willing to really give him a chance and let him do what he wants so he can have magical nights like these once in a while. It just... It, maybe he shouldn't... I'm not calling for his retirement, but I'm just saying it would be much more relieving to see him retire after this season rather than to see him struggle to find a spot on another team just like after the Knicks. You know, the Jazz waved him. He, I don't even think he ever put on a jersey for them in any context. <laughs> Maybe there's some secret Derrick Rose in a jazz jersey footage out there from when he was at practice one time or something like that. I don't think it exists, though. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. If you find it, let me know on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, email, postage, however you want to contact me. Send me that secret photo of Derrick Rose in a jazz jersey because I don't want to see Derrick Rose suffer. I don't want to see anybody suffer. But Derrick Rose put Blake's 50-point game to shame, and we all forgot about Clay's game almost immediately. And did you know Steph had 50 this season? I bet you didn't. Yeah, I mean, Blake won them the game with the and one, which was pretty nice. He got his 50 to tie and then knocked in the free throw to go up to 51 for the win, and that was really nice. Blake deserves that moment in Detroit for sure because of how badly he was duped by the Clippers. I mean, they built that museum and was like, oh, you're going to be the greatest Clipper of all time, and then they trade him the next season. I mean, that's just... Ooh. It's dishonest. It's dishonest. So he deserved that 50-point game. Doesn't make it the best one of the season. It's still Derrick Rose. Clay, I mean, Derrick Rose made us forget all about Clay Thompson's game. He was still spectacular, and the Warriors were just kind of feeding it to him there at the end. People were talking about how you know, they should have let him go for 20 instead of 14 three-pointers in a game, but I think that Derrick Rose, 50 points, doesn't even compare. It's in another echelon, a whole other tier 
of greatness of storylines or what, however you want to frame it. It's just better in every way. Not the best performance of the season so far, however. I would say that one still belongs to Jokic. That near-perfect game he had where he was 100% from the floor and only missed one free throw and got a triple-double, that, that was a beauty, beautiful box score. Beautiful. I mean, I can't emphasize enough how this is the closest thing we'll get to a perfect game in baseball. I just wish he knocked in that extra free throw. That would have been so nice. Would have been so nice. But it didn't, so there's still room to improve. You know, another story to look forward to in the future. Jokic is probably a top ten player in the league. Probably. No, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said so coming into this year. I'll admit it. I wouldn't have put Jokic even in my top fifteen just because he's such a negative on defense. But that team and Mike Malone, Mike Malone is doing a really good job of building a good defense around Jokic to compensate for how slow and bad he is <laughs> on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, Gary Harris, all these dudes on the Nuggets are really stepping it up, playing exceptional defense. It's, it's all very subtle improvement, but they're a top-two defense in the league, and when I heard that stat for the first time, I was surprised. It reminds me a lot of the uh, Blazers last year, how... They came from having a mediocre defense to suddenly a great defense with minimal roster changes. And you got to give the credit to the coach. Uh, Mike Malone looked like a dude who was going to be on the hot seat coming into this year. But now it's looking that contract extension that he got because he wasn't on the hot seat, turns out, is worthwhile. That The defensive improvements in Denver are absolutely outstanding. And they deserve all the praise they can get. I would I would take Jokic over. Let's see. I feel like the Jokic versus Embiid debate is. <laughs> I mean, this season there's honestly no question. Jokic has been the better player. This season so far. I mean, his team is much more successful. I know it doesn't. It's in spite of him, but as the center on a top two defense, he deserves at least a little credit. Embiid and the 76ers are definitely not a top two defense. In fact, the Sixers look like they have a bad defense this season. Um, I love what they said on the Rick the other day and that we look at this roster and it turns out they really don't have any switchable guys. They really don't. I mean, Markel Fultz is a guard. He can only guard guards. He's really bad on the offensive end. Completely paralyzes this team's offense with his non-shooting. And if he's going to be any good, he needs to at least be passable on the defensive end, you know, at least adequate, you know, at least a C plus. But he's not even that, and he's not big enough to play bigger wings or God not God knows not big men. TJ, also not very switchable. Dario, you know, not really mobile enough to play on the wing very well. Embiid is a center of a center. The only guy who can really switch on the whole team is Ben Simmons, but, you know, he can't do everything, and he's not going to shoot this season, so that's the Sixers. <laughs> I, I, I don't exactly feel good about the Sixers this season. A lot of people were really high on them coming into the year, but people forget that they were a 40-something win team before they rattled off 16 at the end of the season in a row. They had an easy, easy, easy schedule last season. They didn't have a lot of injuries. So 
I thought that they got a lot of luck last season and were a little bit ahead of their development curve. And now this year, with the new front office, with uh, he who shall not be named finally out <laughs> at uh, Philadelphia, Colangelo, I'm talking about Colangelo. Now that he's out, I, I think the organization is going to feel a lot less sabotaged. I think they're going to have to recalibrate after this season and really question the whole Fultz thing and see if they can get some value in a trade after him. But I don't think anybody is going to really value him at anything higher than a value of a player like a... I think J.J. Redick has more value on that team. Even with the short contracts that he, he signs, I, I think that J.J. Redick is a not only a significantly better player, but even more valuable on a potential trade than a guy like Markel Fultz because Fultz has shown absolutely nothing on the floor, and I don't want to bag on the guy because he, you almost want to root for him, right? Because he has one of the most intriguing stories that's ever happened in the league. I mean, no one's ever come out of college being a v- efficient, volume, three-point shooter, especially in this era where three-point shooting matters more than ever. You know, we're taking... 33s a game and then he gets a shoulder injury and suddenly just forgets how to shoot storylines coming out of Philadelphia all season were kind of mismatched between what Markel and his people were saying versus what the Philadelphia front office were saying you know is it because of injury or is it injured because of his new shooting form or where did his shot go well we may never know because right now he's only willing to take elbow jumpers right now with him and Ben Simmons being both completely unwilling to shoot threes, at least at this point in their career, it's hard for your two primary ball handlers to not be able to shoot in this league. And the Sixers are definitely going to regress by just trying to experiment with faults this season and not wishing it upon them, but probably having a few more injury concerns. They're a little bit less stacked without Ilyasova and Bellinelli there. And they're going to take a step back this season. I will go on record and say that Philadelphia wins no more than 46 games this year. It's unfortunate. I want them to win more games. But I just can't see them matching last year's success where they had a lot of blessings lined up for them in terms of the basketball gods being in their favor. But something the Sixers fans do have to look forward to this season if they're willing to put up with watching Ben and Markel not shoot all year, is uh, those new Heather Gray Rocky-inspired uniforms a few nights this year. I think those are some of the best uniforms to come out of this city lineup. I think that they are at least in the top three or four of the city jerseys that's been released so far. These new Nike City jerseys, you know, the uh, what we used to call the alternate jersey, but because Nike wants to be fancy and the NBA wants to remove the rules of which team has to wear which uniform under which circumstances, we're now just calling them, you know, fancy terms like City Association and, hmm, I've honestly already forgotten the other one. It just doesn't even matter that much. The white one is home. Unless you're the Lakers, in which it's yellow. And the dark one is away. And then whatever's left is just an alternate. I, I honestly don't enjoy calling these things the three terms, one of which I've already completely forgotten. And it's just 
not worth the extra space in my head. So, the best, worst, and most questionable NBA alternate jerseys or city edition jerseys to release from Nike so far. The best, in order, I would say. Number one, it's the Nuggets. It's a, a nice throwback to the rainbow skyline jerseys that they had in the past. Some of the sexiest jerseys in NBA history are getting a new version, and they look spectacular. If I was a rich man, I would pick one up in a heartbeat, but I am not. Plus, you know, Nuggets aren't really my favorite team anymore. I was more attracted to the Nuggets when they had Chauncey on them, but when they traded them, it just broke my little heart. I mean, I still kept up. It was really fun to watch the Nuggets back when it was, you know, Gallo, Wilson Chandler, and then a bunch of other average dudes making up for one decent, fast-paced team. But nothing special now. Not, I mean, they're fun to watch. Jokic makes incredible passes. I'm just, they're not my favorite team anymore. My, my fandom has sitch, since switched to the Grizzlies, but that is a story for another day. Please don't make me talk about the Grizzlies this podcast. We'll talk about the Grizzlies tomorrow. I got a lot to say about the Grizzlies. But the second best, shorter than Nuggets, probably the Sixers. Those Heather Gray, Rocky-inspired uniforms look so, so sexy. I love, love, love how they have no text on the front, just the stars and the numbers. It, there's no indication that it's Philadelphia or the 76ers. It looks really good, super simple. Love the way it looks. I also love the black Miami Vice jerseys because last year when the white ones came out, I said, cool, but I want it in black. And now I have it. And that is one where I, I, I'm going to really be thinking about picking one up because I, I really like him. I really like him. I really like him. Fourth best, I would say, is the Wolves. The Wolves Prince jerseys. I love the pink and black. I think it's a nice shakeup from the traditional color scheme. And I, and I love to get a new color for a team put on the floor that isn't normally there. Uh, it's a nice little shakeup. The homage to Prince is also nice. I know that means something to the city of Minnesota. I don't know how much, but I know it means something. And yeah, they look fantastic. I can't really get more descriptive enough. I mean, it's purple. It looks almost pink most of the time I look at it, but I trust it's purple and black. And the worst, the worst uniforms. Thanks, ugly guy. In no particular order, because I don't want to slander these teams too hard. Number one is the Hornets. And the Hornets. Oh my goodness. These alternate uniforms. They're so boring. They're so boring. They're just black and teal. Uh, I didn't see any purple detail anywhere on there. The teal and purple is one of the best color schemes in the league. And they really flex it, especially this year, with how the court's designed and all that. The teal and purple is nowhere to be seen on these black Buzz City uniforms. What a terrible... I'm sorry, Charlotte. I'm sorry, Michael Jordan. That's terrible. Buzz City? Buzz City? Man, I get it. You're the Hornets. Buzz, buzz. I get it. You know, a little bit of double entendre. Buzz is like a synonym for hype and also onomatopoeia for the noise a hornet makes. I get it. But there's something kind of silly about it. And you can't deny it. So maybe don't embrace the Buzz City name anymore. I mean, let's be honest. All these are just ripoffs of Lob City, the only city that really matters. Rest in peace, Lob City. 
But next on the list is the Bulls. Oh my goodness, the Bulls. What are these uniforms? I get that it's a flag, but I, I also get that it's ugly. It is so ugly. They don't look good. Maybe they'll look better on the floor. You know, the only real promotion that I saw for it was that one photo of Lori Markkinen from the front. I couldn't find any other footage before recording this podcast of the new Bulls uniforms. I think that they are ugly. I, I know that some people like them. I don't. And uh, next, next is the Pistons. Their uniforms are just as ugly as the Bulls. Honestly, you could interchange these two. They're just dark, ugly, and don't really have a sleek, modern design to it at all. The The Magics are not on the worst list. They're on the, the question marks list. I honestly like the Magics alternate uniforms from last year a lot more than this. This just looks like a toned-down version of last year's. Really not a lot to add or subtract to it. You know, there's not just not much you can say about the Magic's new uniforms. Got that little bit of, of a spacey, starry, magical-looking design. I heard someone say the font's too Disney, which I think is very funny, because the Disney logo on the Magic uniform definitely seems to symbolize the the caliber of that franchise ever since Dwight left, at least. Man, those Dwight years were good. For a little bit, Dwight, Dwight looks like... A man amongst boys out there. I remember watching him against the Hawks in the playoffs one year where he just, he made a fool out of all of Atlanta. He he destroyed them in the playoffs way back in the day. But those days are long behind him. Now, now he's just going to save the Wizards. <laughs> oh, the Wizards. The Wizards is another story that we'll get into tomorrow. So tomorrow's podcast is the Wizards and Grizzlies podcast. So if you like those two teams and those two teams only, be sure to tune in. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll get into a little bit more stuff than just the Wizards and Grizzlies. Anyway, the remaining two on my questionable list of new uniforms are Brooklyn and Oklahoma City. Uh, Brooklyn, it, lo- it looks good. I want to like it. They've got that little Kooji sweater detail on the more elastic part of the uniforms, like on the edges of the arm and on the collar. Otherwise, it's just a totally normal Brooklyn uniform. Looks almost no different outside of these Kooji sweater details. And I like it, but I just wish they could have done just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. It's almost too subtle. It looks like it's almost just like an idea that someone had and put together in the past week. You know, it looked like there just wasn't that much thought put into it. I would have liked to see them experiment with, like, maybe putting it on the edges of the lettering and numbers on the jersey, or even on the inside, maybe, something like that. It's just a little a little underdone, a little unfinished for me. In Oklahoma City, you know, they have these um, Native American-inspired jerseys with that really, really bright teal. I would say it's, like, lightning blue, <laughs> if that makes any sense. They're okay. Nothing special. I don't hate them. I don't like them. They're just there. Oklahoma is usually either super hit or miss with these uniforms. You know, they had those ugly, dark, uh, vertical lettering Thunder alternate jerseys a few years ago. I think those were still Adidas jerseys. And then last season, they had that soft gradient with the orange lettering and the 
the Lightning Bolt OKC logo on the front. Those looked really good. So this falls somewhere in between there. Not, not the best, not the worst. Just sort of eh. And those are the only jerseys I've seen so far. I think those are 10. And so we have another 20 that we're going to see again in the future. Uh, maybe we'll cover them, maybe we won't. Let me know if you guys care about hearing about NBA jerseys over a podcast. Understand that a podcast is not exactly the most visual medium and that a uniform is something which you would want visuals for. So perhaps that will be the first highlight you see on my Instagram page, at HustlePointsPod, where I will be adding visuals to these podcast highlights. In the future, I'll be using a camera, but at the moment, I'm only recording inside of a closet, and that doesn't really make for a very good visual. So, in the future, there will be a video version of this podcast. There will be video highlights on the Instagram, and as I said before, you can tweet at me how little I know about basketball, at NBA underscore Rudy. But now, it is time for 7 Seconds or Less, the quickest takes in the podcast game, where I put 45 seconds on the clock and read and react to 7 stories in 7 seconds or less each, enough to make Mike D proud, and with less than 7 seconds each take, the 7th take has to come extra quick, because 45 divided by 7 is slightly less than 7 and slightly more than 6. So I really have much less than 7 seconds on the last one. So it's got to come extra hot, extra quick. It's going to be a very, very hot take at the end. Okay, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm overselling you. All right. The Thunder are struggling. My solution? Trade Alex Sabrinas for Justin Holiday. Fill Roberson's big, big shoes and get someone who can play some defense on the wing. The Rockets, they're struggling too, but unless they trade for Jimmy Butler, don't talk to me until 2019 because they have no interest in playing until then. Luka got LeBron's jersey, and I bet some old heads are mad at this and want overly insane, overly competitive assholes to be playing the game, but I love mutual respect and sportsmanship. The Cavs, the players were pissed about Ty Luka getting fired. Drew wants the job security. They don't want to give it to him. Love is hurt. JR is out. Welcome to Cleveland Sports. Tyreek Evans missed a game because he was late to practice, and there's not much else to add to this except for how he praised the organization afterwards. I think that's really funny. And Patrick Beverly, is he dirty? Uh, yes, but he's not the worst, just has the worst reputation. Hot take, Anthony Davis stays in New Orleans. Forever. And ever. And ever and ever and ever. Was that 45 seconds? I feel like I went a little bit over the clock. I feel like I didn't quite get in that last take. But it's okay. Maybe next time. Maybe in the future I could tie my failure in the 7 seconds or less segment to the listener's success. Perhaps for every take I don't finish or every time I don't get out 7 takes, I could give away something on my Twitter or Instagram or something like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But that's going to do it for today's show. Remember to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy and on Instagram at HustlePointsPod. And be sure to tune in tomorrow for Sunday's episode where we talk about the Wizards, the Grizzlies, and much, much more. So thank you for listening and goodbye.